All right, it's time to wake up and get your game right. We got your host, Andy Dirks. Today, I'm extremely excited to have Tim McCormick. He played eight seasons in the NBA. Uh, he's got a book, Never Be Average. Isn't that something? We're talking about not being average, the mindset, things to overcome those obstacles as you're going through your journey. Uh, he's a broadcaster. He does a lot of speaking engagements, all sorts of fun stuff. Great mind. I'm so excited to just uh, dig in and see what Tim thinks about some stuff. Tim, it's great to have you on the show, man. Thanks, Andy. Um, I, I enjoyed your baseball career as a lifelong Tigers fan, and, and I'm glad to see you doing some some really productive things now after baseball. Well, I appreciate that. I, you might be the first guest that's actually like giving me a little bit of props on the other end. I can't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> no. So anyway, as Tim went from the NBA to writing books to doing all this stuff, his motto in his book is never be average and, and, and kind of some steps to success, different things. It needs to be on your to read list if you haven't read it yet. Tim, can you just dive in and, and give us like the idea behind the book? First of all, obviously, he played eight, eight seasons in the NBA. That's a huge feat. The NBA, in my opinion, is the hardest uh, professional sport to actually play in. Less people, more talent, bigger sizes, things like that. But but what was the premises of the book? Because that's the real key here, I think. Yeah, Andy. Well, the, the, the main thing is that I am a lifelong sports fan. I grew up carrying my baseball cards and my basketball and, you know, riding my bike around dreaming about playing playing pro sports. And I, I looked career and just decided that you know, I had been surrounded by tremendous role models. Um, you know, teammates of mine like Charles Barkley and Patrick Ewing and Olajuwon and so many really impactful teammates. And then I had a chance to compete against Michael Jordan and Scott Pippen and you know, a lot, a lot of guys that I, I just, I watched from afar, I competed against, and I just saw the, the, the commitment and the, the, the challenges uh, that it takes to, to live a life of excellence, to be a great leader, to be a wonderful teammate. And then the other part of it, I was, I was really inspired by coaches, um, right down my second, second, um, my, my second and third, fourth grade playing little league baseball to my high school basketball coach. And I was impacted by Bo Schembechler, University of Michigan, the football coach, Pat Riley. And, and all of these guys, they, they worked so hard. They were inspirational leaders. And, and I just thought, wow, I, I am, I've been really blessed to, to be around some, some great people. And then as I left and transitioned into business, I found out that there's a, a strong correlation what it takes to be successful in sports and what you need to do to, to be able to accomplish things, whether it's in school or business or you've got a hobby or you want to win a race or whatever it is, a lot of the same core principles translate. So I was looking for an acronym, something that, that kind of stood out to me. Um, NBA has been a big part of my life since the, the mid-1980s. And so I thought, wow, no, never be average. Um, I, I don't like average. I, I never have. I, I despise mediocrity. At, you know, people that just kind of sit in the middle and they hope for success. They, you know, they pray things that every, everything's going to work out. They, you know, it's like they, they wish they had a magic wand. 
and they could wave it over themselves and all their dreams will come true. But I kind of found out that's not, that's not the way it works. You've got to have a game plan. You've got to work hard. You've got to be dedicated. And, uh, so so it, it was fun. I, I really enjoyed writing the book. And since then, I, I feel like I have another five or six chapters that I'd love to, to write if I ever have a chance to sit down and do that. Yeah, I love the acronym idea. But first of all, you hit up, you hit so many concepts and so many amazing points on the broad scale. Let's dig into a few of them. First of all, the passion one. I always tell people, you know, there's there's a difference between kind of your passion and your purpose. Your passion is can be wavering. I have a lot of passions. I like to bow hunt. You know, I like I like hobbies. I like to do things. But what's your purpose? Like, what are you putting your time and energy into on a daily basis to try to achieve? To me, that's my purpose, that that long-term vision. Like, for me, it was playing in the big leagues, right? It was uh, doing everything I can on a daily basis to get good enough to compete against the best in the world. It wasn't just like a passion. It was like an obsession almost at times, right? It, it took up all my energy. It took up all my thought process. And I don't know how far in, in, into that mindset that you think people need to go i think there's time for for fun but then there's a time to get your purpose on the difference with a purpose too is we're willing to do more things that we don't like to do nobody likes to get up at 6 a.m and go hit the gym right that's not fun when you wake up and you're tired and you were up till midnight the night before working or whatever but you know it's beneficial so you go and do it because you know it's beneficial towards your purpose what are your thoughts on, on, you know, passion, purpose, things like that? You know, Andy, when I was in, in second or third or fourth grade, I can't remember exactly. I, I came back from basketball camp and had a long talk with my dad. And I said, you know, I love basketball. I, you know, I love all sports, but basketball, I think I could be really good at. I'm tall. I seem like, you know, it's made for me. And, and, um, and he said, well, if, if you want to be great at something, you need a game plan. And, he used the, 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 the term success, not random. There, there's a reason some people accomplish goals and, and other people just kind of flounder through life. And so he helped me create a game plan. And I, I, I try to do it every day. You know, and it was pretty simple when I was in second or third grade. Like I dribble around the block with my right hand times and with my left hand three times. And I, you know, I took a hundred game caliber shot. And I worked on my dribbling drills and my ball handling drills. And, you know, I did toe raises over the step, trying to inc increase my jumping ability by getting strong caps. And, and over the course of time, it was interesting because I, I, I really became dedicated to it. Um, when it, it snowed outside in Michigan, I, you know, I shoveled off the, the driveway and I started my workout. And, and I tried to do it 65 days a year. And what happened through the process is I started to improve. And I, I started to gain confidence. I was proud that, that I was putting this, this work in and it was paying off. And so, you know, when you talk about passion, it really resonates with me because I do believe that if you want something really bad and you, you create that game plan, you can do whatever you want. I love the game plan mindset, too. As far as having uh, goals on a daily basis that are achievable for the greater good of the whole, right? It's right. a lot of people working out is the best example I can ever think of because most people can relate to it. It's like the person that wants to go to the gym on, on uh, New Year's and, and they, their New Year's resolution is to lose weight. They go into the gym day one and they kill it. 
I mean, they're doing every single exercise known to man. They're in there for an hour and a half. They're sweating their butts off. Day two comes around. They're so sore they can't move. Then it, it, the, the, the pretty wears off pretty quickly, right? That motivation can wear off. But when you have that passion and then have a game plan behind it, like you had, like, hey, I'm going to dribble around the block with my left and my right. And those routines and those things that you can do to get better on a daily basis are where you see the long-term gains. Very true. And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be something that's really hard. It just has to be a challenge that you're willing to take. You know, I, I feel like, like the, the perfect audience are teenagers because they still have an opportunity uh, to, to set goals and, and, and be impactful with their life. It's a lot easier when you have your whole life ahead of you as students, just little things like, you know, kids are, kids are sleep deprived nowadays. And, and I feel like just having the discipline to turn your cell phone off and all of your digital items, your, your video games, turn them off at 11 or 12, um, you know, try to, to eat better foods, um, set a goal of, of, you know, being on the honor roll. Um, and then, you know, with sports and with studying and you, you can set goals with whatever you want. And, and so I, I think, I think it's a great time and the earlier, the better. Discipline's a huge factor in all this, right? Me and you both know that. And it's tough, I think, for people to see how much discipline, because when you're around it on a daily basis, so my story was basically, you know, played in the big leagues and I got into, we call it quote unquote civilian life, right? I got into real estate and then I started this get your game right business. But what I realized very quickly is I was kind of the only one, one of the only ones, there's a couple others, only the big agents are on a daily basis doing things to get better, doing things to increase their clientele, doing things to be a better realtor every single day. And that discipline, you don't see it a whole lot in the working world compared to where I was. So in the NBA, and you named some names that were that are just legends, right? So what are some of the disciplinary acts, some of the stuff that you saw from them that every day these guys, even when they're the best, are still going out and trying to beat you, not just on the court, but off the court too? Yeah, so I, I remember one story in particular. Um, it was later in my career, and um, – I was traded to Atlanta and I was playing with a guy named Moses Malone, one of the, the truly great rebounders of all time, an NBA champion, a Hall yeah. of Fame. And in one of my first games with him, he, he completely dominated. He had 30 points and 20 rebounds and we won the game. And I, I was just in awe of how older um, could just dominate. So the next thing, I, uh, I, I came in to get my, my pre-practice workout and I always felt like, you know, I'm, I'm the first one here because I'm pretty disciplined and I've got my game plan and and, so, and my jaw dropped because Moses Malone was was on the treadmill and he was in a full sweat. He looked like a like a Pepsi bottle in the middle of the summer. So he, all the first break. he was soaking wet and there was there were there were drops of over the plate. And I looked and there was already 50 minutes, five zero minutes that he had already been working out. And I thought, wow, you know, th this is one of the greatest of all time. If I want to stay in this league, I, I as much as I think I'm a hard worker, I, I, need to, I need to elevate what I'm doing. 
And and so I, I think, you know, the majority of the great players had that mindset. There were certainly some that just had more ability. They, they could yeah. jump high, run faster. They were tougher. That you know, whatever it may be. Um, but but for most, if if you can't rely on Hall of Fame talent, you you better work pretty hard to develop your skills. And I can think of right now just because Victor Martinez just retired, and I I was fortunate enough to play with Vic. This was a guy who most would consider one of the best switch hitters of all time. He is. He's one of the best switch hitters of all time. Was an amazing catcher. Uh, had to change roles into a first base role than a DH role. And his he he's always been a good hitter. But you know his he's not like Miguel Cabrera, right? right. Miguel Cabrera is was in the time when I was playing with him by far the best hitter I've ever seen. Victor Martinez though was a guy who. Day in and day out, every single day, he had attributes that I wanted to have. And one of them was a positive attitude. This guy, every single day in the clubhouse, was a guy you wanted to be around. He was a guy that was there before everybody. He was the guy that was in the cage longer than everybody. He was the guy working on both sides of his swing, even if the starting pitcher that day was a righty he was still working on his other swing, right? Like everything about him was just dedicated and he had already made his money. You know, he was already a guy who had had a nice contract in Cleveland, had a nice contract in Detroit, was getting older, but still doing it. And then I saw the most amazing feat I've ever seen in my life. He, uh, he had his knee surgery. He, he uh, tore his ACL, had his knee surgery, was out, came back the next year and he was hitting like 200 in the first half of the season. He was just so consistent. It didn't matter how good or bad he did in a day. It was just constant, constant with him. He ended up hitting like 297 or almost, he might've hit 300 that year in the, you know, basically the second half because his body was coming along, but he just kept at it and didn't quit and was determined. And I see so many young kids, they, they hit a point. We all hit walls in our careers and our lives that we just want to stop. And when you stop, the first time you want to stop, that's the first time you really are starting, if you can get through that hump. What are some uh, humps that you hit along the way that you had to overcome? Wow. You know, listening to your story about Victor Martinez and being a Detroit fan, it was, it was fun to watch his career, and you just gave me some real good perspective on what made him so special. Um, you know, one of the one of the real the real strong beliefs that I have, and and I I um I try to share that with young athletes a lot, is that that you know we're all we're all good, but we're capable of more. And and I I reflect back on my career, uh, I I had ten knee surgeries, uh, I you know I had two concussions, I had a dislocated shoulder, torn rotator cuff. I just you know I was traded eight times had 11 coaches, 156 different teammates. Like it was just, it changes what happens when you go through sports. And, and I particularly remember my sophomore year in college, uh, you know, I, I, I was an all American in high school with a chance to go anywhere I wanted. And um, there were cameras and articles and it just, you know, as a person it was kind of hard to process. I went to the university of Michigan and I, I didn't play a lot as a freshman. And then I had two knee surgeries my sophomore year. 
didn't actually play for 15 minutes. And, and I remember the Detroit News uh, wrote an article, and in, in the paper they stated, stated that Tim McCormick was a failure at the University of Michigan. It really, it hurt me a lot. And, and it, it kind of goes to show you that if you relax on your goals, if you just assume that you're really good and will always continue, you're in for a rude awakening. So that, that's where I developed the good and capable of more philosophy that, that how you're doing, um, there, there's somebody coming behind you and they're going to catch you ask you if you don't keep pushing. Uh, your skills will deteriorate. I, I like the fact that you're either getting better, but you never stay the same. And mm-hmm. you know, I think for high achievers, that's the mindset that can really drive them. Couldn't be more true. I know for me, one of my biggest probably failures was letting other people tell me what I was. Like always letting people tell me what I was. By the time I realized, hey, I can be better than that, it, it took me too long to realize that, right? So yeah. when I was in uh, coming out of, of high school, I was very raw, had some talent. I could run. I could do some things. Uh, going into junior college, I was the, the the backup outfielder in right field. Then I ended up being the starting center fielder. Every level, I always had to kind of prove myself. What I wish I would have known back then is what people think about you right now isn't always true. And it's probably not true because they're not in your shoes. If I would have just went at it completely balls to the walls, I probably would have been better off. But what I did was I kind of bought into the mindset at times in my career that, yeah, maybe I am just a fourth outfielder. But then I would shake myself out of it, right? But it took me a little bit because they want to put labels on you. They want to tell you what you can be, what, how good you are, things like that. And it's always in the moment. And this is one thing I realized looking back at my career. You're only as good to the media to your fans, to the people in the organization as you were in the last two weeks. And once I started realizing that, I got a lot better, a lot quicker, because then my ceiling went from, like you said, kind of that average ceiling to way above average. And I started pushing myself to increase my ceiling all the time. I really statistically, and and if you put me on paper with my tools and stuff, I would have been a decent college player. But what I always then decided, I was like, you know what? I want a higher ceiling. I want to do more. I want to do more. And as soon as I started doing more, that ceiling just started getting exponentially higher. And I remember when I went to spring training in 2010, it was my first big league spring training. And my dad, he said, wow, that's so cool. You know, you get to go play with the big dogs. You get to go play with the big boys. And I looked at him, and with a straight face, I said, Dad, I am one of the big boys. Uh, and I think he, he was kind of, like, set back by that, like, huh. Like, he is one of the big boys. Like, he's going to do this thing. And it was kind of like at that breaking point moment uh, for me and myself to understand that just because people have told me that, you know, your ability is only going to take you here, you're only this good, it was kind of like, no, I can do more. I can do more because I see these guys I play against. They might be more talented, but they're not as good at baseball as me. Yeah, the, the confidence is a great separator. And 
And I, 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 I look back on my career and I played with, with 28 guys that were all stars at some point in their career. And, and maybe you saw this, you know, those guys were not always necessarily talented. Maybe they were hard workers. Maybe they, they had a certain niche, but the one thing that every single one of them had was extreme confidence. Yeah. Uh, when they walked in the door, it's like, you know, follow me guys. I've, I've got this. Uh, you, you need a big hit. You need a big buck. You, you know, I, when you walk into a, into a hostile environment for a big game, you just really felt good that they were on your team. And, and I, I know that you know, for some people it's false confidence for, for people. It's something that maybe they're not truly confident, but they're able to get to that level because of extreme hard work and preparation. It doesn't really matter if you get there. The key is that, that you know, success isn't going to happen to fall in your lap. You, you've got to know you're pretty good and you've got a good chance to succeed. Yeah, you can't. There's only so much you can fake in life, and I think confidence, like real confidence, fake it till you make it. But there's also a point where you have to have it if you really want to succeed. There's going to be moments and times as you advance in your career. I remember telling my mom, like, quit reading what the media says, quit doing that. It's all negative, uh, like the negative stuff. You know, you, you get now in this in the game we're in a lot of negative tweets, a lot of negative everything. Everything's negative about players. You have to separate yourself from that negativity to understand or use it as a motivator to understand that, you know, you are you can be good at this and you are good at this. You wouldn't you wouldn't be at a level that you are if you weren't. And it's even in the big league level. I see guys. I saw guys that were like not confident. They weren't confident. They let other things drag them down. They have all the ability in the world and they still couldn't find that confident factor. And it made their career way shorter than it should have been. They never hit their full potential. So confidence is massively, massively a thing that everybody should strive for. Yeah. You know, Andy, a, a side note to that. Um, I, I think that a big part of confidence is enthusiasm where you, you really, you, you're passionate about what you do. You, you love what you do. You, you wake up excited to, to go work out, to, to chase your dream a little bit more. Um, Ralph Waldo Emerson had a quote that I love. Nothing great in life ever accomplished without enthusiasm. And I love that quote. And I believe that quote. Um, so many times it's easy to get frustrated with a bad performance or, you know, a trade rumor or, you know, the, whatever goes wrong in life. It, like you, as, a, as an athlete, you get beat up and knocked down and disappointed. It's okay. It's part of the game. But if you love what you're doing, truly enjoy it. That's a, that's a big part of being able to grow. The young kids, this young generation now, they see this effect way more than you did or I, I did. Because now we have what I call Instagram life. Like all these different these levels of life that are basically unattainable or unachievable. It's like perfection, right? Like right. you see some of these Instagram profiles and all these kids now see is the success. They just see the success and they want the success, but they don't show any of the work that it took for anybody to achieve any of the success. Everybody wants to put the perfect picture of, 
the meal. They want to put the perfect picture of their life. They put the perfect picture of their house. They don't show the backstory, the grind, the tough stuff, the, the, the things that are hard. And like you just said, I think it's tough for them now to understand, to have that enthusiasm with the tough stuff. Like, it's not fun to wake up at 6 a.m. And I was always the guy who woke up and at 6 a.m. We'd go into weights. Hey, come on, let's go. It's, we have today. We have today. We're lucky. We're fortunate to have today. And some of that comes down to perspective, too. You know, it's tough in our society to have true perspective on how fortunate we are to have the opportunities that we have. And that, that, that goes for the garbage guy. That goes for the CEO of the Fortune 500 company, right? Like, our perspective in American society, 200 years of greatness, has put us in a boat to where you see the person complaining about too much foam on their $6 latte at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And this young generation, this is what they see. This is all they see. They just see, hey, everything should be this way for me. So how do we revert back and get them in, in, to understand that it's not all about that? It's about the process. If you can truly attach and have some passion and some drive towards that process, that's where you see the result. Yeah, I, I feel like this is the hardest time in history to be a teenager. Uh, the, 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 the negativity is swirling. You're right. The social media is consuming. I, it drives me crazy when I, uh, last night that I was at the Detroit Pistons game, a jumbo screen, they showed five kids that were sitting there with their parents watching the game, except they, all five of them were looking at their cell phone. They, they had no interest in the game whatsoever. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a, a hard way to live your life. And I like your, your term about the Instagram lies. It's, it's not reality. Yeah. Every time I, I, I go and speak to young kids now, I always try to iterate the fact that if you want to get to a life that you're going to love, if you want to get to a life that is fulfilling, and there's a big difference between just a little bit of entertainment and fulfillment. We live in an entertainment world where there's little fulfillment. We, I want to get kids to go to the life that's full of fulfillment, something that they work towards, they work really hard at, and they achieve that goal. That's fulfillment, not just going and playing Fortnite and having a little bit of fun because we're at all time high levels and depression, things like this. How do we we got to break these kids out of that mold? And I think that never be average mindset. Let's put a game plan together. Let's put something together a kid right now or a coach or anybody listening, put something together and keep it simple. Just take steps at a time, put something to get towards a goal, whatever activity you're into. If it's, it's sports, it's sports. That's great. If it's music, it's music. That's great. But let's get a game plan together. Like your dad did for you. Right. Agreed. And, and I, I really believe that, that everybody has some talent. Um, you know, it may not lead them to be a musician or a movie star or a pro athlete, but everybody could do something that they they um, they look back on their life. Maybe they're, you know, 80 years old and they're on a rocky chair on the back porch looking back over their life and they can say, you know what, I did a good job. I, you know, I, um, I accomplished good things. I, I, I raised a good family. I was a role model in the community. Maybe I helped coach some kids whatever it may be, but it's not like 
it's a guarantee that you're just going to fall into something like that. You don't have a pretty good game plan and some focus. Yeah. And focus always comes in increments. So where your focus is, is where you wind up. And I always say that if your focus is on things that aren't as conducive to success, well, you're going to wind up with less success and success can be just like what you said, a whole multitude of things. It's not one thing in particular. You don't have to make $10 million to be successful. That's just worldly successful. That's Instagram successful. The people who really have joy in life that I've seen have relationships. They've either with in their family, with, with people around them, they have really quality relationships with people. And all those people that I've been around that have quality relationships seem to be happier. And it's like your teammates, like the biggest problem when I left baseball and, and I, and I had a, you know, I had two back surgeries. The doctor said, if you keep playing, there's a chance that you won't be walking. You know what I mean? And I was like, well, this is not good. <laughs> so the biggest thing I missed though, it wasn't the money. It wasn't the glitz. It wasn't the glamor. It wasn't playing in the big lights. It was my teammates more than anything. It was that atmosphere. It was like kind of losing I almost felt like I had to mourn the loss of a brother, uh, several brothers, you know, going to the clubhouse every day, being with these guys who are like-minded and have a similar uh, purpose and passion in life. And then for that to go away was, that's probably the hardest part for me. You're exactly right, Andy. And I, I, um, I was fortunate because 25 years ago I retired. And, and I immediately stepped into a job with the NBA Players Association. And um, so while I really struggled with the transition, at least I was still involved in the game somewhat. I was doing, doing something I liked and something that, where I could give back. Um, but I, I, I completely agree that when, when you leave professional sports, there is a depression that is hard to deal with. Uh, you spent a lifetime chasing dreams and being motivated and, and competing at, at a, a certain level. Uh, and then when they take that away, it's really hard. You know, another, another thought is I, I wouldn't trade my life for Michael Jordan at all. I, I never would. Uh, the fact that I, I, I like, I like walking through a mall with my family. I like going to a movie theater, not getting swamped and, I think everybody just kind of feels like, gosh, if I could be Michael Jordan or, or Shaq or Kobe or LeBron, I'd be the happiest guy in the world. And I, I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I, I, I think that just being able to chase any dream or any goal that you have and, and living your own life and being fulfilled doesn't – the, the money and the fame think, makes, makes someone not necessarily happy. Well, without a doubt, you can see it all over. Like every, every, so how many celebrities go to rehab? How many celebrities have massive issues with their, their relationships and their life? How many celebrities, just because you have money, money is not anything in life. It's tough for kids to understand that sometimes, but I think as, as you get in, if you've been around it, you realize that it's, it is one of those things that if you look at money as a tool, great. If you look at money as something that's going to make me happy, awful. Right. Money's the root of all evil, blah, 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 blah. We can go into a whole spill on it. I don't think that people that make a lot of money too, 
a lot of times, it's not the money that's driving them. It's, it's their drive is to be the best person they can be or to make a difference or to make a change. And they actually go and take action on it. Like you said in the very beginning of this podcast, and I absolutely loved it. Everybody doesn't want that average lifestyle. They don't want, they always complain. They say in this or that or whatever. They say, I would love to have this life. But what have they done to actually go do it? Hey, you're right. Um, it, I think we call that talking a good game. Yeah, um, talk it, you know, they, but don't walk it, right? Yeah, no, you're exactly right about that. And that's that's the big next step that people have to get to where, um, you know, they, they kind of decide, okay, I've been talking about this for a long time. Let's, let's go get something done. Um, and it's as simple as what do I want to do? What are the next steps? How can I get where I want to be? And, and it, you know, there's, there's all kinds of books. There's self-help books. There's goal-setting books. There's smart goals. And, and that makes money for people, but it doesn't necessarily always translate unless you've got that fire and that decision-making process. Like, you know, I can do this. I want to, you know, I want to grow up and be an accountant. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I want to quit my job and, and chase my true passion. I want to travel around the world. Whatever it might be, I think it's important to have goals and being able to, to create that game plan. So basically where your focus is, where you're going to wind up, if you're thinking about trying to pursue something, get a game plan together, probably a good step to take. Actually taking action takes sacrifice. I think that's probably the biggest deterrent is people's lack of willingness to make a sacrifice because when you go and start something new or you want to go achieve a goal, the nine to five life is, is great. I love it. But if you want to do more, it takes a sacrifice to spend quality time with your kids. It takes a sacrifice to spend quality time with your wife. It takes sacrifice to go and try to be the best baseball player you can be when your buddies are out doing something uh, playing video games or doing something that seems funner at the time, more fun at the time. Right. So when it comes to sacrifice, what are things that you had to sacrifice? How do you, how do you deal with sacrifice? Like what is the purpose when you're not seeing the result right away? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, um, the best way I can put it in perspective is I have, I have two children um, that are now young adults. They've, they've both gone to college uh, as, as college athletes. And, and we've, we talked about sacrifice all throughout their life. Um, my son played college basketball. My daughter is a college volleyball player. And throughout the, throughout the, the years when, you know, we were driving around to AAU tournaments and volleyball tournaments, and it was, it was really hard. It was, you know, the financial burden for parents and mm-hmm. it's a because the you know the kids see their friends going out on Friday night, and they they go on fun vacations, and you know maybe they have a, a summer job, and sometimes sometimes it's hard, but you know the, the the benefits are that you learn to to put off maybe some of the some of the the, the easy reward type things that the teenagers want. Um, so my my kids did a good job. I, I was really proud of them, and now. I look at them and I know that the fact that they're dedicated and, and they're able to find good jobs is, is a testament to, to having that, that whole process to go through it. 
and to know that sometimes you can't do the fun and easy thing. You can't focus on the things that are, are easy. You have to take the hard road and push yourself. Yeah, I love uh, Robert Kiyosaki basically said, you're going to have to do things you don't want to do if you want to be successful. And it couldn't be more well put because as much love as you have for something, to me, and for me, in my baseball career, going to the field, and we played 162 games, right? We played a lot of baseball. I played in the Dominican, a lot of baseball games. It wasn't like every day I went to the field was the joyous occasion of my life. Sometimes it's time to strap it on and suck it up, right? Strap it on, suck it up. Hey, I need to go out here and get, get my game on for three and a half hours. And I don't know if you ever felt that in your career, but I certainly did. And when kids and people, they're so easy to give up because they don't feel, oh, today, you know, I would rather do this than this. Sometimes I would have rather done something than go to the baseball field. And it sounds foreign to people that like you were playing in the big leagues, you, but they didn't see the minor leagues. They didn't see the, the, all the baseball it took to get to the big leagues. Right. Right. I, um, I, I was blessed growing up to have, have parents that are still with me today. And my dad worked for Chrysler for 35 years and he woke up every morning and he came home for dinner at six o'clock every night. And, and he, he worked very hard in six days. He, he, um, you know, he gave good effort and he was very consistent. And those are, those are important role models to have. Yeah. It sounds a lot like my dad. He passed a kidney stone at work, <laughs> literally <laughs> like no sick days. Let's get after it. And, and parenting now is probably the biggest key to our society moving forward. If parents or role models or whoever it is, whoever, if you're a kid out there, you, you need to hold on to people who really want you to succeed. And if you have a kid who's attaching to you or needs that, give it to them. Take the extra time. It's way more it's worth way more than anything you'll ever do in life. And I, I, I try to do that in my life. And Tim's done it in his life. His kids are, are, are successful. They're doing great. The proof's in the pudding, man. Yeah, I, I, am, I always, in the back of my mind, had a, a passion, an interest, a desire to be a coach. And I, um, I never pursued it professionally just because I think it's hard to be on the road nonstop, have to pack your family up and move to the city every other year. So I, I made the commitment that, that I had the kids. I, 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 I was going to spend as much time as I could. So I, I chose a career that was going to allow me to be home and coach their little league teams and take them fishing and um, you know spend quality time. You're right. You only get to do it for a short window, but the – the end result will, will last for a lifetime. Yeah, and you wouldn't give that up for $50 million, I guarantee it. No, well, $50 million, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now $50 million speaking my language. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm the same way. You know, I've, I got approached with coaching opportunities and things. I already understand the lifestyle. I didn't want to put my kids in the position of the lifestyle. If I was still playing, I'd still be playing, right? Yep. But I'm not playing. I got approached for coaching gigs and stuff, and people ask me all the time, why aren't you coaching? The cool thing about what, what we can do now is I can coach a multitude of people online. 
I can help a lot of people, even this podcast. I hope it helps people. This is the whole reason I'm doing the podcast, right? It's just people can listen to me and Tim, me and you talk. And I hope that one person, if one person gets benefit out of this, we did our job. And that's what I focus on. That's what I look for. And then moving forward, I can coach a whole bunch of people because the way the world's working is if we're not giving our voices out, somebody else is giving the information. And I think me and you would be better to give the information to the kids, coaches, parents, people like that. I agree. I, I agree. Uh, and I, I, um, I'm really happy that you, you found something that you love doing uh, because it is, it is important and you're sharing your message, you're sharing uh, a game plan. And there's a lot of people, especially you know, young people, people that are getting started in business, people that have hit a, a roadblock, people that are have plateaued. Um, there, there's so many people that need something to jumpstart their, their, their lives. This is Tim McCormick on Get Your Game Right podcast. Wealth of knowledge. If you haven't already, go and buy Tim's book. Read it page for page. This is a guy who understands what it takes to be successful in a way that you can understand. Because there's a lot of those success things. There's a lot of those gimmick ideas. There's a lot of different things going on online. Go get the book. Read it. If you think that success is unachievable, if you think that, oh, I want success, but I don't know what the next step is, he's going to help you in his book come up with the game plans, get everything mapped out for you with some great stories, some great things that he's been through personally. And this is a guy that is not only succeeding in the NBA, he's succeeding on the other side of life as well. So he can show you a multitude of things. So this is Tim McCormick. Tim, thanks for being on the show, my man. Yeah, good talking to you, Andy. Keep up the good work. I appreciate it. So this is Andy Dirk's Get Your Game Right podcast. If you haven't already, uh, go subscribe, like us, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the social media. Hit up Tim, too. He's uh, doing some stuff on Fox Sports Detroit, which is cool. Uh, anybody out there who needs a little extra hump, get over the hump life. Get over the hump life. Go get Tim's book. We love you. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.